Welcome to the Conditional Release Program, a podcast that delves into the nether world of cults, crims and con artists. We don't like these people in the shows. We believe the best way to expose them is to hold them up to a harsh light, point our index fingers in their general direction and mock them mercilessly, take them down a peg or two until they cease to exist in any other form than the shit on our shoes. I'm Jack the Insider, otherwise known as Peter Hoisted for tax purposes. And I'm Joel Hill, and in today's Conditional Release Program... We're going to take a look at fake trade unions as a device for anti-vaxxers and some early but promising news on a COVID-19 drug therapy that surprisingly does not include sheep dip. It's nothing to do with feedlots at all. It's great. We love drugs at the Conditional Release Program. Love them. I scream, you scream. We all scream for fluoxetine. Yeah. And that's Prozac uh, to our American listeners. Yeah, bless. On every table at dinner time. <laughs> so we'll also be looking at the demise of Gladys Perry-Jiklian. Has the ICAC finally gone too far and taken out a woman whose only crime, it's quite a big crime to be fair, is falling into the arms of a sketchy bloke named Daryl? Yes, Joel. New South Welsh people find themselves rudderless, directionless. What if we had no government? No government, bro. Latched into a sort of post-Russian revolution collective of anarchists. Uh, doesn't no government mean chaos and plenty of it? Or will it be a case of a Belgian like ho-hum? You know, the Belgians having gone without government for almost five years with little more than a Flemish shrug of the shoulders. And will our part of the world collapse Gladysless at a crucial time? And we'll find out in the Condition Release Program's weekly news. And for those wondering what the fuck is going on in New South Wales, I would simply point them in the direction of the front page of The Barrier Truth, a newspaper published for the fine people at Broken Hill in outer western New South Wales. Yes, outer, outer western. Oh yeah, long way from anywhere. And the front page featured an outstanding poetic feat from one of this country's great writers, Broken Hill resident Jack Marks. It's a series of limericks that says it all about what's happened, and I will read it to you now. Yesterday, Glad Berejiklian, for five years New South Wales' top chicklian, alerted the press pack she'd been fingered by ICAC and was giving herself the big flick flicklian. <laughs> this is not like me, said Berejiklian. I stand firm through the thin and the thicklian. Oh. But I've said it before, when the heat's at the door, one must make oneself scarce very quicklian. See, oh. <laughs> ICAC suspects Berejiklian. Did something not quite politiclian? When a bloke called Maguire ran some sleazy grants buyer for which he was getting back Kicklian. <laughs> Go for it, said Berejiklian. This politics just a picnicklian. Oh, like Mary Antoinette, I'm of the mindset that it's my cake, so make yourself sicklian. <laughs> but poor old Gladys Berejiklian had to sack this Maguire dipsticklian because <laughs> he wasn't discreet, and there on his sheet was some of her own red lipsticklian. Ooh, the press declared, Miss Berejiklian, we've done all the arithmeticlian, and it seems he got cash sometime after your pash, which <laughs> makes us feel rather seasicklian. <sighs> For beleaguered Gladys Berejiklian, the clock now went tick, 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 ticklian. Her passion for a clown put the whole circus down. Her balloon truly burst by a pricklian. <laughs> Tis a shame because, Miss Berejiklian, that virus she did try to licklian. Through the brute force of lockdown, she wore her own flock down, but at least assured we weren't homesicklian. Yeah. So farewell to you, Ms. Berejiklian. You were not, in fact, thick as a bricklian. If it wasn't for COVID, you'd have been our beloved, but the barrier truce Bolsheviklian. 
which says <laughs> which says a fair bit about the publication. But a wonderful thing from Jack Marks, who just is. Should you lick the plague? <laughs> is that is that a good strategy? <laughs> but lick, but you know the the word lick is absolutely crucial. That's that how a lot of people got. COVID in Avalon. They were licking the, the floor at the bowling club and then <laughs> so was, shit yes, went wrong. Right. Shit went wrong. All I can tell you is that Jack Marks is one of our great writers, short form and long, some True. wonderful books True. to his name and one of our great columnists who uh, sort of wandered off uh, to Broken Hill yes. and that's where he lives now. Went to pasture. I actually, I first discovered him this year. I can't remember what the thing was. It was a Facebook post or something like that. And I was like, who the fuck is Jack Marks? And from everyone, it's like, oh, Jack Marks, you don't know who he is? And I got... Thoroughly reprimanded for not knowing yeah, who Jack Marks is. He's, who is, he's one of our great a national writers. treasure. Very good. But for another, perhaps slightly more serious take on the Berejiklian resignation, I turn to my colleague at the Australian, Yoni Bashan, uh, who's uh, who is closer to this stuff than most, and rises above the nonsense about ICAC overreach and remains in the business of reporting the known and the real. And on Friday, he wrote. For almost a year, the writing has been on the wall for Gladys Berejiklian's leadership. While it might have appeared that her problems with the state's corruption watchdog had evaporated during the course of the pandemic, few people familiar with the evidence could have doubted her resignation was inevitable and perhaps even necessary. And this was all sealed the moment she sat in the witness box at ICAC in October 2020. And what began with an admission of an undeclared relationship with a corrupt former MP, Daryl Maguire, Darryl. soon gave way to congratulatory texts <laughs> praising his efforts to procure commissions from a property developer. Aww. And from that point alone, it defied belief that she could even consider staying on as a leader. But her job remained assured through the support of opportunistic colleagues, many of whom knew their electoral survival depended on her. Yep. Capitalising early, she took steps to seize the narrative, assuming the role of the hapless victim, the hard-working fun sponge (laughs) caught in a a deadbeat's web of knavery and deceit, a myth which endures to this day. She is a fun sponge. Yoni Bashan has a beautiful way of writing. It's great. I recommend him to all our listeners. Uh, He goes on to say, Friday's developments merely reflect that she always was on borrowed time, and since her ICAC appearance, there has also emerged a steady trail of paperwork illuminating further allegations of grants, funding and other conflicts, all of which have worked to complicate her insistence of a career defined by the highest standards of moral conduct. Mm. Astoundingly, the outgoing Premier continued to advance these statements on Friday, remaining unapologetic, defiant, and claiming she had, quote, always acted with the highest level of integrity, unquote. You're allowed Mm -hmm. to snigger at home when you hear that. (laughs) Uh, These words may soon come to haunt Berejiklian, given the bombshell statement released by the ICAC announcing a wholesale recalibration of its inquiry to place her squarely at the centre of its investigation. She leaves behind shoes that none of her colleagues are fit to fill, making the prospect of a Labor government in 2023 a striking possibility. Thank God. But by going on a note so unapologetic, she has condemned her successor successor to an extremely difficult task and voters are unlikely to accept her departure or her replacement. So that's uh, that's what Yoni Bashan had to say. And a bit of a poison chalice to, to whoever wins the election on Tuesday to become Premier of, the New, the Premier of New South Wales. Isn't it just? And the thing with this is like, you know, I will whinge for days and days and days about how Gladys is terrible, blah, blah, blah. But the idea of losing the wets controlling New South Wales and having a bunch of sketchy Trump supporters, like, Dom Perrottet coming in. That's terrifying. I am not going to celebrate until Wednesday because right now, 
Gladys' departure is leaving way for some very shitty people to take a very powerful position. Well, there's also a question of competence. And um, yeah, I know what you're saying, but there's also a question of ministerial competence. So across the board, you know, I mean, you look look for a star there, there just isn't one. And, yeah. um, and uh, so one of those people will emerge to become Premier. Rob Stokes will be New South Wales' dad, just like Mark McGowan, and probably be Premier for 30 years. He's yeah. such a nice State guy. Dad. State yeah. dad. He but does I'm look hoping- a- he does look a it. bit like a young, uh, youngish, uh, hip state dad. Yeah, um, yeah, he's too lovely for this. Like, I'm sorry, like I want a good premier, but I don't want you to win next election. So yeah. can we hold off on Stokes. He's too nice. It has changed everything, really. Um, yeah. In yeah. terms of uh, uh, the electoral prospects of of the New South Wales government, suffice mm-hmm. to say, Gladys resigned not just as premier, but from the parliament on Friday. That's something yeah. you need to. That's something that you need to understand. And it's that was her difference. call. You know, under yeah. the weight of an ICAC investigation uh, targeted at her, she merely had to step aside. But she's gone and she ain't coming back. Yep. She may have been the best of a pretty ordinary lot of pandemic managers in Australia and is popular for it. But that, <laughs> but that she, she may have been both popular and successful as a politician and that she engaged in corruption are not mutually exclusive. The ICAC awaits her and we'll all be watching. Yes, and Joel, yes, I will. You've been watching sketchy shadow unions, trade unions, sketchy ones, run by Liberal Party dudes, yeah. marketed on anti-vax channels. Yeah, see, when I'm looking for someone to represent my workers' rights, I always look for guys who used to work for Labor fucking hire firms. I mean, come <laughs> on, guys. It's like it's not even a thick veil. So... Of course, I'm more into the dirty underground of this because there were rumblings on Twitter about this paramedic association, this allied health association that mm. Lada was pushing Saw to that. his newfound following. The guy's about two weeks old on the fucking public uh, radar as far as all this goes, but damn, he's coming with a splash. Fuck, he's made decent money as GoFundMe. So, so Lada, just to be clear, is the ambulance driver um, uh, from Tumut, where he's also on the, in the local government. Uh, yeah, there and he has mayor. been running a claim against uh, against the uh, state of New South Wales, hasn't he? Yes, he has. And the thing is, basically, you've got this weird astroturfed shadow union with this Google Docs form to join that just seems like it's a violation of the Privacy Act. Now he's trying to join this organisation he's just made up as a plaintiff on his case. So I don't know, like, is it registered as a corporation? Like, I don't know how that kind of joined or yeah, works. They're the I questions I'll be asking. Yeah, got to is that it, is point it, in law school. Is it really just a Facebook page? Nothing well, more I mean, than a Facebook page. Well, I mean, it's crazy. Like, I'm guessing there's a $1 corporation behind this, which is the right. the, the entity that he's going to join onto his, uh, his lawsuit. But, like, what if they let that happen? Does that mean you could just make frivolous lawsuits and then make a company, get a few members on a Google Docs form and just say, oh, no, but they're going to share the cost order? Because that's totally <laughs> what's happening here. He's managed to get $150,000 on GoFundMe. He's been a very effective communicator. He's got Pete Evans on board. That's for fucking sure. And he's not going to go down quietly. He just—he seems to like getting involved. So it's a good sign. Like he's just got dirty hands. Like he's the deputy mayor of Chimit, as we said. He was also a union delegate for the actual Australian Paramedic Association, not the weird fucking fake one that he's just made. Mm. So honestly, like, look, this is still its, its absolute infancy and the Lada case is still very much 
yet to be seen as to what the plans are, what's happening. So I'm going to leave this a bit ambiguous. What I am going to say is that we're going to be coming back about this because Lada is someone to watch over the next little while. I think he's got big plans in this space. Mm, Well, we'll have a look. But meanwhile, Queensland's opposition health spokeswoman has been found to be a member of a fake union that told members to go to a rally where anti-vaccination speakers promoted a false conspiracy theory that four children had died after being vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Liberal National MP Ros Bates says she supports vaccination, but she is also (laughs) a member of the Nurses Professional Association of Queensland, which is associated with Red Union Support Hub, which is an anti-vaccine group. And Red Union is harnessing anti-vaccination sentiment to recruit members. The group claims it is rapidly attracting members in New South Wales and Victoria. (laughs) Yeah, Show me the money because yeah, of its yeah, opposition it. to vaccine mandates, which Australia's top medical advisors said on Friday should be introduced nationwide to protect healthcare workers. Notice that word, Joel, protect healthcare workers and their patients. And this is the thing here. So this is the organisation that's basically being spearheaded by dodgy liberals. And this is the labour hire guy. Like, how is that not a huge red flag? It's terrible. Absolutely. The Nurses Association, we'll call it that, which has shared a video (laughs) from a nurse who falsely claims coronavirus vaccines do not work, has been branded a fake union uh, by ACTU Secretary Sally McManus on her Twitter account. Over the walls. Now, I'll be buggered if I know why Ros Bates still has a job on the opposition front bench, but as we're at the conditional release program always say, Queensland is a state that should come with a liability warning, may contain traces of nuts. I'm going to get in trouble on Twitter again. What big nuts? <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble again. <laughs> <laughs> we love Queenslanders. We love it's you the, guys. It's the ones who clamour onto the political bandwagon we've got a bit of a problem with. <laughs> you cost us the last election. And finally in news, US drug maker Merck and Co on Friday said it would seek authorization of its oral drug Molnupiravir. Oh, there's a mouthful. Mouthful. You, Joe. Mouthful. After it was shown to reduce the chances of newly infected patients being hospitalized by 50%, very early days in the clinical trial. But, Joe. Yeah, Molnupiravir is actually named after Thor's hammer Mjolnir. Like, this mm. further establishes what we all know, which is that people who work in pharma and science are giant fucking dogs. Huge, huge nerds. They're the ones that keep Warhammer alive. And look, they're calling it a hammer against COVID-19. I like it. Aww. I like it. It's adorable. Like, I'm excited for this drug, and I really appreciate your work. You guys are tireless, and you guys keep us alive, and I really appreciate it. Seriously, guys, could you just dial down the nerd shit a little bit it's kind of cringeworthy just a well, little bit that's just the the announcement came uh, uh, with major blows to vaccine companies and yeah. uh, and, and and the dow itself stayed high on Merck's price. Yeah. Merck's announcement was hailed as a major step forward. US National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases Director Anthony Fauci told reporters the data are impressive. Now, there's a man who knows how to punctuate a sentence. The data are <laughs> impressive. The US has pre-ordered 1.7 million courses of Molnupiravir, uh, should it be approved, with the option to buy more. And global health agency Unitaid said it was working with a partnership called ACT Accelerator. 
to secure supply for low- and middle-income countries. Until now, COVID-19 therapeutics such as monoclonal antibodies or remdesivir have been administered intravenously. This is an oral tablet. It's very exciting to have more options that are easy to deploy, said Natalie Dean, a biostatistician at Emory University who specialises in infectious disease. You can have something that's similarly effective, but if one is much easier to use, that's going to have a bigger population level impact. However, experts also stress that if approved, the drug would not be a miracle cure and should complement highly effective vaccines rather than replace them. In a late-stage clinical trial, Merck and its partner Ridgeback Biotherapeutics LP evaluated data from about 770 people, about half of whom received either a five-day course of the pill while the other received a placebo. Uh, These are all hospitalised people with COVID. All trial participants had lab-confirmed COVID-19 with symptoms that developed within five days of them being assigned to their respective groups. And of the trial participants who received the drug, 7.3% were hospitalised by day 29, compared with 14.1% of those on a placebo a relative risk reduction of about 50%. Efficacy was said to hold up against uh, SARS-CoV-2 variants of concern, including Delta, and the drug had a good safety profile. The results were compelling enough that an independent data monitoring committee in consultation with US US authorities decided to halt the trial early. Why would they they do that, Joel? Because those on the placebo were, were dying. Um, oh, and fuck. so, you know, in terms of ethics, uh, that, that yeah, I was thinking that earlier, thinking how brutal would it be to be like racked with COVID, <laughs> yeah. taking this pill, going, I'm sure it'll work soon. <laughs> you, you can have the sugar tablet. Yeah, it tastes um, a bit sweet for a drug. Can, I don't know what's going, can, going on here. You can have the Tic Tac. Yeah. Uh, Fucking brutal. So that's why they had to pull the pin on that. Merck said it plans to submit an application for emergency use use authorization uh, in the US through the FDA and elsewhere as soon as possible based on these findings. Responses from the medical community were all all mostly favourable. Yes, not in Telegram. Look, I'm shocked, Joe. Just amazed at this breakthrough in oral treatment from COVID-19 infection wasn't ivermectin, you know? I mean, no. Tell me, how have the Craig Kellys of this world and other ivermectin drug dealers around the globe handled the announcement? Well, as you can imagine, the ivermectin crowd were never wrong and they're not going down without a fight. <laughs> they're claiming already, based on nothing, molnupiravir is actually an anti-parasitic drug similar to ivermectin. Oh. It's not, though. It's they not. Just kind it's of an made that up. Yeah, just, just casually. And their whole shtick is this idea that Merck has slightly tweaked ivermectin but it's still kind of ivermectin, so they could repaint it and charge $700 a dose instead of the $25 ivermectin costs. No, you just yeah. made that up. That's just terrible not bullshit a thing artists, at all. Aren't they? they aren't they just? These are people who call themselves truthers. I mean, like, fuck me. So while $700 a dose is pretty steep, it's way cheaper than the $2,000 a dose for these monoclonal antibodies, which sound like a real pain in the ass to make. And anti-vaxxers fucking love monoclonal antibodies. They're all the rage in Florida. Rob DeSantis is behind it. It's a fuck. They're into it. The thing here is that big farmers always going to win. These are large corporations. They're the kind of shadowy evil groups that at the same time as saving our lives, they're just going to basically peer into our wallets and say, how much have you got? So it's just the way it's going to work. But in conspiracy adult minds, the fear campaign has absolutely begun despite only being announced like this week apparently someone did their own research and found it's related to an older drug which has mutagenic effects on oh my god it changes your dna and shit it's all fucked 
Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, just a mutagenic. J- j- mutagenic just means it doesn't. We're all going to turn into yeah. fucking lizard people or some shit. So it's pretty early in the piece. We need to give them time to form narrative. It's a great so- word. It's a great word. I, w- I want to use it more often. I'm just not sure <laughs> what to use it in the context of. But while anti-vaxxers are seriously going to need something that isn't fucking horse pace to save them from severe COVID-19 infection, because most of them don't want to die, it looks like they're going to take this pill kicking and screaming and it will probably save their lives and turn them into lizards or cows or fucking yeah, I'd say a good many of them are already and today's conditional release program is proudly brought to you today by Jessica Rowe's podcast the Jessica Rowe big talk show well, it's funny. I didn't actually know that existed until a few days ago, but now I do. Oh, there <laughs> no, you go. What, what a world. Not, what a world. It, it's not like any of our drivel, Joel. Jessica Rose's no, Big Talk Show is a number one podcast in Australia because it gathers controversial subjects and asks them the hard questions like, what's your favourite colour? <laughs> and how do you manage the difficult work-life balance while maintaining that all Muslims are terrorists? Well, I mean, prove they're not. Living in Vaucluse is hard, Joel. There's never yeah. enough days in the day for a busy mum. Traffic sucks. Tennis club social is coming around. You haven't got a thing to wear and your Filipino oh, housekeeper's got COVID again. Oh, the worst. How dare she? Now, why not make yourself a hot cup of chai infused with myrrh, sit back and relax for a while, a little you time where you can hear a vicious racist senator offer up her favourite scone recipe on Jessica Rose, big talk show. Probably a good recipe, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's 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 where you made your mistake. I always deep fry my scones. <laughs> and if you're successful in today's witch black pilled fuckwit said that job, you'll sit back with Jessica Rowe and be given the cheat codes to a gruelling life of luxury in a house that costs more than the GDP of a sub-Saharan African nation and solve those little lifestyle problems like how do I live a life of destructive narcissism neglecting my children so they become emotionally distant psychosexual time bombs by the time they reach adulthood. Good work. If you've ever sat up and wondered, where did I park the Range Rover at Westfield Bondi Junction? Jessica is going to be here to help you, Joel. But only if you get everything right today. Um, okay, question one. Here's the quote. Pray for Australia. It's almost impossible to believe what's happening there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that insane part-time New Zealander and anti-Freemason crusader? Which primary school did you go to, Joel? Karen Brewer. The pedo one, Karen, the pedo one. <laughs> with all the pedos. With all, Mr. Bubbles. With all the D-my-way Freemasons. Or was it... <laughs> Texas Freedom Coalition, while advocating the state of Texas has every right to interfere with women's reproductive rights. Uh, Texas, by the way, now has laws that prohibit abortion for any reason from six weeks after conception. Freedom. Yeah. Or was it television host who has made the long and predictable stagger across from the left to the right as he grew older, hit Genghis Khan and just kept on going? Bill Maher? Oh, fuck him. Or was was it mother of four on how she manages... Her work-life balance, Pauline Hanson. Well, look, Bill Maher's a massive atheist. There's no way he's going to get anyone to pray for us. <laughs> Texans love fucking prayer. Karen Brewer, not sure. I'm going to go with Texas. Yay! Well done, yes. Joel. That's, That's the power of prayer. Excellent powers of deduction there. Yes, it was, in fact, that something called the Texas Freedom Coalition, which I think is just a Facebook page, but they've latched onto this whole idea uh, that... Uh 
Australia is in deep trouble from the deep state. And they also issued a map. They had a sort of big Google map of Australia saying with with the meme, the world's largest. Ah, fuck off. I mean, this is a good time to note two things. One thing, I am absolutely going to be doing an Australia Has Fallen uh, podcast episode soon, which I'm going to start writing now. Yeah, we need to do that. And secondly, now, just as a matter of housekeeping, we're at least deeper dives whenever the fuck we feel like it because every Wednesday is fucking too much pressure. So I'm going to release that, as I said, Whenever the fuck I feel like it. We'll get to work on that soon. <laughs> love, your, love your work ethic there, Joel. Fantastic work. <laughs> so one from one. Excellent. Uh, here we go. Second quote. Australia has COVID concentration camps. Oh, God. It's a lovely piece of alliteration, if nothing else. There. I love this theme, though, because this is steaming me up so bad at the moment. So you're really <laughs> lining me up to be pissed off for the second half of the episode. Australia has COVID concentration camps. Fuck Was off. it? Former comedian, podcast host, and man with a face like a bull elephant scrotum, Joe Joe Rogan. That's exactly it. Fuck, man. You cannot get any more creases on that man's face. (laughs) Was it Pizzagate conspiracy pumper and pro-rape advocate? That's right. He likes rape. Mike Cernovich. Yeah. He's a real piece of shit. I fucking hate him. Was it an American social commentator who wears baseball caps with slogans on them that really make you think? Tim Young. Is that like when the guy in 30 Rock with the, the slogans of the baseball caps? Yeah, I, uh, joke's think, been done. I, I, I think, yeah, she's basically got a different one on every day. But, yeah, he's a little bit like that. Uh, or was it, in fact, Alex Jones having another psychotic episode? Uh, and just by the way, that was his defence. While you ponder this, while you ponder your answer, that was his defence when he was sued by uh, Sandy Hook parents. Was it? The, the elementary school that, that suffered a school shooting that's that he really, claimed was fake. And his defence in court was that he had had something of a psychotic episode. Amazing. And you could just keep using that defence because it keeps on happening. I'm going to go with Alex Jones. I'm afraid it's Tim Young, Joel. Motherfucker. I don't know who that guy is. Ah, uh, look, he, you really don't want to spend a lot of time worrying about it. He, he, <laughs> he, he's, he is a sort of social commentator, Ugh. sneering bastard who turns up on Fox News, various yeah, other outfits. He actually has rounds. turned up on CNN. You know, people consider him funny, you know. <laughs> but then people consider Rogan funny. So Yeah, know, well, that's don't it. Don't ask me anymore. Right-wing comedy means nothing to me at all. Oxymoron. <laughs> Well, look, I'm going to give you one more chance to have Jessica Rowe along just to walk you through the, the travise of upper-middle-class life, Joe. Or at least help me find my car. I mean, I keep on parking in different streets because there's no parking in my spot. So it's just like <laughs> I wake up and I'm like, which side street is it on now? <laughs> yeah, well, look, you'll have problems like that with your Range Rover. In a um, life, so here's the quote. It's a long one, so I'll draw a breath. I don't know if you can hear but there's helicopters whirling about the city of Melbourne. There's riot police on the street, and they're rounding up construction workers and tradespeople that we commonly refer to as tradies here for voicing their incident and their concern about mandatory vaccination. Okay, give me the options. Voicing their incident. Now, let's just move on. (laughs) Was it videographer, amateur number assessor, while nodding furiously at everything Laura Ingraham says? Ruskin Fernando. Ah. What is was it? Got his hair did and had a shave just so he could look good on, on the Laura Ingraham show to be watched by millions of racist Fox News viewers wondering who the fuck the brown on their TV screen is? <laughs> Ruskin Fernando. Oh, I see where you're going here. Okay. <laughs> was it historiographer asking politely, excuse me, sir, 
Are you a Nazi? <laughs> Ruction Fernando. <laughs> or was it? Tireless independent journalist who, if he saw a packed MCG, would declare there are over a billion people here today, all of whom are tradies. Ruction Fernando. I'm going to go with D, the ridiculous idea that he can film something and then say something completely wrong with <laughs> saw, a straight face. Saw it yesterday where he tried to estimate the number of police that had arrived. He just filmed them get off a bus. You know what, Ruction? I'm going to go with about 40. Yeah. You fucking idiot. Oh, it's yeah. a big, big contingent of police here. It's a busload full, mate. You know, yeah. takes about 40 people. Yeah, we can work on that basis. Fucking dumb prick. Anyway, <laughs> and we ask listeners to send us an email if they've come across something really, really stupid said by Black Bill Fuckwits. We want your input, listeners. If you've recently come across something posted that is so odd, so bizarre, that it can only be appreciated by the criminally stupid, drop us a line. Make sure you obscure the answer because this is actually done live. We'll send you a stubby holder and some assorted TCRP tatter if you make our lives easier and send us a quote we can use on the show. Yes, and look, uh, flick uh, that through uh, on our email, the conditional release program with a the at the start, the conditional release program at and gmail.com. And obscure the answer. Hard. the attention of Jack. And a quick reminder that the conditional release program Stubby Holder is clinically proven to keep your beverage of choice icy cold and stay icy cold. I did spring for the expensive ones, by the way. They're actually quite good. Oh, magnificent. <laughs> Used in conjunction with ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, and imbibing your own urine, always chilled, never at room temperature, Joel. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The conditional release program Stubby Holder has been proven to reduce hospitalizations by a whopping 78%. Not, bad. Not that the Therapeutic Goods Administration or the monsters at Atagi would ever let you know about it. Big nah. farmers got them by the balls and we are being denied the truth about the amazing healing powers of the conditional release program, Stubby Holder. And Craig Kelly will be sending out a text on some of it, you know, sometime this week, I believe, and then, only then, will the truth be out there. Thanks, Craig. On you, Craig. And we kick off the anti-vax update this week with only one stat. And there's only one stat I want to draw to the attention of our listeners today. The dismal state of the vaccine rollout in a part of Australia that likes to think it isn't part of Australia. And I'm looking at you, Western Australia, if that is your real name. <laughs> and Western Australia's single-dose rollout is shamefully bad. 65.9% of Westies have rolled the sleeves up for their first jab. Up just 2% the last week. What have you been up to the last week, you people? <laughs> Going out Just to dinner, I'm guessing. 47%. Yeah. <laughs> trying to pretend it's not happening. Just 47.7% fully vaccinated in Western Australia. If you think we're going to let you host an ashes test with that shit, you're as dumb as you are isolated. Get your fucking act together. Amen, Jack. Amen, bastards. In the lunatic world, we have had yet another shit series of protests, pointless protests, around the eastern seaboard this time. Well, there was one in Perth, I think there was one arrest, someone who really goaded the cops, <laughs> and they're protesting mandatory vaccination, this time for teachers. Teachers. They're calling it Reclaim the Line, which doesn't really mean anything, like <laughs> Reclaim what line? Like, what are they reclaiming? Does, How are they- It really, like, it, it does not mean anything. No meaning. It just sounds kind of warlike and like looks cool as a hashtag and makes no fucking sense. So they're led by some cooked idiot who called himself Mac. His real name is Christian Marciani. And in this hilarious turn of events dug up by the one and only Tom Tanaki, who's doing a fringe thing soon, give him, give him some money. He's a fucking Freemason, which is <laughs> very, very funny. Karen wasn't happy. 
No, no, she really wasn't. So being a Freemason is obviously completely meaningless. We're not saying it's a bad thing, but it really sets these guys off. And as you say, Karen Brewer got involved after seeing this, which is really funny because she saw this thanks to Tom Tanaki. Like it's that thing of like, you know, the enemy, my enemy is my friend type thing. Like yeah. she doesn't like Tom Tanaki, but she could not resist the idea. She wasn't going to let this But go. she also credited Tom, which is showing with the side of Karen that has integrity. But she's not a big fan of reclaiming the line. And she's reinforcing her important rule, which is always ask who their dad is and where they went to school. <laughs> where did you which- go to primary school? It's just so creepy. Who is is your daddy and what does he do? Is literally what she wants. It's not even a joke from Kindergarten Cop. That's her life. (laughs) So idiots in Melbourne assembled somewhere in the vast botanical gardens, which is what they seem to be doing now, just choosing giant places about 150 acres wide and just saying, oh, just have a look around. We'll just keep moving. Follow the non-existent crowd. So- this vague instruction was a complete nightmare. It went up with tons of stragglers who just couldn't find the group. But eventually around 100 people gathered together and went for a nice little walk, which was rudely interrupted by riot police as per usual. They're such bad <laughs> guests. Why do you keep inviting the police, guys? They're clearly not good to party with. So a few skulls mm. were cracked and some arrests were made. I'm guessing Vic Paul just basically used these stooges as like a martial arts training exercise before releasing them down the road without charge. Because... That seems to be what they do, which I, I don't... I think they should take them to fucking court, to be honest. Reclaim the, the line. And the Reclaim the Rhine Black Rally mean? had some simple instructions. Wear a white t-shirt and scrawl bullshit on it in Sharpie. And the general idea was that you bring a sign which states your profession, how long you've been in it, and a few sad platitudes about not wanting to get vaccinated, but wanting to stay in your job role. I saw one guy doing videos there, which was on YouTube, wearing a Proud Boys t-shirt, interviewing the very few people who actually apparently were teachers. <laughs> My God, he cherry-picked that crowd. It was so difficult to find an actual teacher in there because most of the people, as you imagine, were the perpetually unemployed, failed hippie idiots that go to every single fucking anti-vax rally. There aren't that many teachers in the anti-vax movement. Most no, of them are quite intelligent. At all. So, you know, the signs that were meant to be their profession and how long they've been in it were actually just anti-vax platitudes. And as usual... None of them were funny. Give me something to work with, guys. I watched your rallies through this fucking ruction dickhead's phone and you don't even make me giggle. I mean, we need entertainment. Exactly. Have some respect for your audience, you fucking criminals. So despite this, they managed to once again try and steal the valor of a respected profession and hijack it for their dumb cause. They had the truckies, who I guess deliver us groceries, thanks. Then we had the fucking tradies, who build us houses we can't afford. I mean, thanks, I guess. And then we have teachers. We fucking love teachers. They work really hard. They deal with children, which honestly give me cyanide. And they cop shit left, right, and center, spending their nights marking badly written essays that vaguely cover a topic and then say nice things like, oh, that was a good effort, as opposed to saying, you fucking moron. Yeah. That, that's not how the Nazis worked. So look, <laughs> It's yet another bullshit AstroTurf moment for anti-vaxxers who are clinging on to our love for teachers and somehow trying to make us more sympathetic to their non-existent cause by making it all about the fucking teachers. Fuck off. We see through your bullshit. <laughs> in New South Wales, they reclaimed their line in Parramatta and a nice little circle around the river. And look, I think it was actually bigger than Melbourne this time. Maybe they actually, you know, had a meeting place. And a few hundred turned up and they were usually, you know, likely the usual cooked idiots with like crap scrawled across these t-shirts they bought at Kmart the day before. Cops were at an arm's length this time. They didn't do the Vic Pol thing of coming in mm-hmm. and smacking on the head. And basically it felt like a bit of an early mark on Freedom Day. Like the New South Wales government has just genuinely stopped giving a fuck altogether <laughs> and just want anti-vaxxers just to hurry up 
congregate and die already. We have no leader. There's yeah, no exactly. one in charge. Rudderless. Rudderless. <laughs> so it feels like we can't go a weekend without a protest these days. In the death throes of a relevant movement, we're going to see more and more lovely walks in the springtime weather, which honestly, I'm, I'm going from anger to acceptance. It's actually nice to see. Getting those steps up with some, you know, a bit of mild cardio, meeting like-minded people, they can just give each other the plague. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, fuck them. But like, that Piss Week rally is basically just history repeating itself, isn't it, Jack? <laughs> it is indeed. And I wrote a column uh, uh, last Friday as part of the Anti-Vaxxer Lies series that I've been doing for the Australians, where I sort of did some fairly uh, deep research into uh, the history of uh, mandatory vaccination. And um, and it threw up some amazing stats that really yeah. just show history repeating <laughs> in, in very remarkably accurate ways or, uh, or or similar ways. It's quite astonishing. And the first known case of mandatory vaccination was in 1777 when George Washington ordered soldiers uh, in the Continental Army under his command to receive a smallpox inoculation during the American War of Independence. And it predated Edward Jenner's uh, patented vaccine, uh, adopting a method used by Native Americans, also used uh, in Asia and in Africa, where um, uh, rubbing uh, smallpox scabs that have been ground into a powder into cuts and abrasions on uh, on skin will actually give you a very light dose of smallpox, and uh, and and uh, after about twenty four days, uh, twenty four hours, perhaps forty eight, uh, of you feeling a bit poorly, uh, you become inoculated um, nice. uh, from smallpox. Now Washington did this because he believed that. Uh, the British soldiers that he, that his troops were going to have to fight against would all pretty much be either inoculated or have a natural exposure to the disease over over a long period of time. And it was, but at the same time, it was a difficult call for Washington to make because once uh, once the troops were given uh, the ground up powder of, of, of smallpox scabs, <laughs> which sounds lovely, doesn't it? Uh, rubbed into their skin somewhere, and that, that that they would need to be quarantined and, and out of action for a time. But he stuck with it, and ultimately, uh, inoculation against smallpox proved decisive in the long siege known as the Battle of Valley Forge, where Washington's troops were sort of bailed up for about six months. And if you, if you had an outbreak of smallpox there, you're in big, big trouble. That's a lot of. But instead, Washington won the Battle of Valley Forge, and it turned the War the way of the Americans. Well done, him. It's probably worth noting in in the history here that Australia's first pandemic, at least since European contact, yeah. recorded history, uh, occurred just fifteen months after the arrival of the first fleet. The smallpox ripped through the Gadigal people in the Sydney area and moved yeah. through large Indigenous populations all the way to South Australia, Awful. with an appalling mortality rate estimated of up to about ninety percent. Oh, now, how it started remains a mystery as the new arrivals were unlikely to have been infectious given the long period of time spent on boats that brought them here and no documented cases of smallpox along the journey. So it's mm. always been a bit of a bit of a conundrum, that one. I uh, heard was blankets it, were involved. Was it, uh, was it deliberate? Yeah, they, these yeah. are the arguments. Uh, yeah. was, it, was it deliberate uh, or was it just an accidental? Them. But there had been no recorded cases of smallpox, so it's really hard to know. Yeah. Uh, same time, or just a bit later, Napoleon ordered his troops receive Jenner's vaccine for smallpox during the Napoleonic Wars. scab vaccine. Uh, yeah, well, it was more past. Uh, Jenner, <laughs> Jenner's vaccine was basically revolved around, you know, basically withdrawing smallpox pus from sufferers and using that as the vaccine. 
And uh, and so during the Napoleonic Wars, the French uh, troops were all uh, inoculated against smallpox. Um, but it was in 1827 that Boston became the first city to link mandatory small va- smallpox vaccination with school attendance. Ah. So outside that military uh, <coughs> sphere, this was the first time it sort of became uh, grounded in you know sort of social policy and it was a practice that spread throughout the country by the end of the 19th century and from that point on the brawl began between public health officials and some sectors of the public that we might now identify by the 21st century term of anti-vaxxers in 1905 the u.s supreme court upheld the authority of governments to mandate vaccination in the U.S. And a, uh, uh, a story that I came across uh, in the American Medical Journal of Ethics refers to a news item dating from 1906, one year after the U.S. Supreme Court gave uh, mandatory vaccines the thumbs up in the United States. Uh, a report in Pennsylvania where early 20th century anti-vaxxers threatened to, uh, quote, burn down schoolhouses, whip teachers and punish school directors. A little bit different from what they're doing with teachers now, Joel, yeah. but still that sort of really extreme reaction. I'd, you know? I'd be cool if you reclaimed the line from that. I think you should reclaim <laughs> that line. That's a bad Burn line. Down school houses. Well, we did, have, we, did have one, uh, we did have one vaccination centre, or was it a testing centre that was burnt down? Yeah, yeah, testing centre, I believe, yeah. So, yeah, some very I similar... Mean, very similar itself, sort right? of reactive behaviour there. Fucking ridiculous. Uh, meanwhile, in the UK, the Vaccination Act of 1853 set an important precedent for state regulation of inoculation and vaccination. The Act was resistant, resisted often fiercely by Britain, Britain's working class as it created a system of disproportionate fines and other sanctions hand, handed down to those who remained unvaccinated for smallpox. Yeah. And what, what that basically means is that Britain's working class could not afford the fines that were meted out. Yeah. Uh, it, the, the vaccination was said to be free, but there were problems in the rollout. There's another yes. <laughs> another little bit of history repeating. Yeah. Uh, but there were, again, in the, in the wake of the Vaccination Act of 1853, you know, a lot of nutters who came forward and not just nutters, because we'll just have a look at them, because they seem so much like uh, anti-vaxxers, uh, you know, the anti-vax grifters at the top of their, yeah, uh, the, 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 the top of their smouldering heap. Are we to be leached, bled, blistered, burned, douched, frozen, <laughs> pilled, potioned, lotioned, salivated by act of parliament? Outraged anti-vaxxer John Gibbs said in eighteen fifty-four. I wish they spoke like that now. I'd be much more on their side. I yeah, really like it. it's, it's you've got to say he's 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 gone he's he's gone with an eloquent thing, comment there. He got it right where they said pilled because they are pilled. Pilled, yes. yeah, pilled, potioned, lotion, salivated. Yeah, now Gibbs was a hydropath, which is an early expression of a homeopath, if you like. He thought that bathing and drinking a lot of water would cure most ailments. Like yeah. a fucking idiot. But that Good was shot. his that was his grift. That was his thing. So Gibbs believed there were only a small number of diseases fatal to humans, and this is what he this is what he uh, proposed all the time in in trying to get his grift of water treatment out there. So only a, only a small number of diseases fatal to humans, and if we eliminated smallpox, which we have done, he thought other illnesses like measles would occur more frequently. Ooh. So completely unscientific approach to all this. Got a bit of a grift running with the old hydropathy. Nice. And uh, and uh, he was an early lettered ripper, claiming yeah. smallpox should be encouraged 
no matter how many lives fell to it, believing smallpox relieves, and this is a quote, smallpox relieves the system of humours that yep. ought to be carried out of it and is a healthy process. Gross. Yeah, the similarities between then and now are impossible to ignore. Totally. We've got, we've got germ theory and terrain theory. Yeah. Gross. <laughs> he was a crank. His idea is dangerous. And he reminds one of history charlatans driven by ignorance and most particularly self-interest. Fuck he's got yes. that. He's got that grift there. Got the grift. Always a grift. Yeah. So, look, that was my entry. I mean, I, I, I go on. We actually, you know, we talked about how, I talked about in the article, how, how basically the shift from the working class being opposed to vaccines has changed now to a middle class yeah, fixation. Has, yeah. that, that, that basically, if you look at working, uh, working class and even really low socioeconomic areas, they have high rates of child look vaccination. Look at Western Sydney. Blacktown's you, killing it. You go to Byron. The, the stat I often quote is the outer west, outer western health district. So that's Broken Hill beyond, beyond back of Burke, I should say, back of Burke. Their uh, um, childhood vaccination rates are in the low nineties, and if you get to if you get to Byron, the the, the shire of Byron, it's sixty seven. Yeah. That's so it. that's the stat, yep. and that I, I would I would argue was driven in no small part by Andrew Wakefield who published a case series in Lancet which suggested that measles, mumps and rubella, we all know the story, yeah. uh, that the MMR vaccine may predispose to autism. Yep. The data was worthless. Cherry picked it within an inch of his life. Uh, Wakefield uh, and his uh, colleagues were found were subsequently found guilty of ethical breaches uh, and scientific mis- misrepresentation. Yep. And later it was discovered that Wakefield had entirely falsified falsified data. Yep. The British Medical Journal described Wakefield's paper as an elaborate fraud. It also transpired that Wakefield had planned to launch a business venture Several. on the back of the MMR vaccination scare he had created that would profit from new and unnecessary medical testing. Yeah, he's a massive fucking con That's artist, and he's grift. still a huge voice in the anti-vax movement because these yeah. people are fucking morons. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, that. Uh, you know, this was sort of, Wakefield was initially adopted by fucking Hollywood celebrity idiots. Yes. Uh, who have that sort of, you know, that megaphone. Yeah, uh, and, and and it spread like wildfire. You know that yep. old axiom: you know, a lie can travel around the world while the truth is still tying its shoelaces or putting its pants on or wiping its ass or whatever. You know, I'm that, doing that, all three right now, <laughs> as you should. You know, <laughs> got shit to do. I don't want any sort of smelly ass. You know, one must be proper. But uh, yeah, so 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 that's basically. You know, I, I just found it really interesting as we went forward and looking at some of these cranks in sort of really deep responses and a deep historical sort of analysis of of how mandatory vaccination was addressed by various populations, UK, US, and to an extent the laws in the UK uh, worked here as well. Um, And the similarities are just staggering. They're they're anti-vaxxers. They've got their nonsense. They've got their stupid rhetoric. And they've yep. got their grift. And that's yep. that's something that simply has not changed. All the fucking grift. But something that has changed, Joel, is is uh, a new a new clown show throwing up uh, lawsuits. And you've oh, been yeah. keeping a very careful eye on that, I know. Oh, this is once again another grift. Although, I mean, look, you know, Buckley's probably spent a little bit of money in representation. He's got a big boy in the in the chair. So, of course, it has been, as one would expect, a complete nightmare in the Supreme Court this week with Sergi Microchips Nomenko bowing out 
from the state deciding not to seek costs, which oh, I think is very lucky fucking boy. lucky. Yeah, lucky boy. It would have been interesting to see just be in the room when the penny dropped. Did he realize that everything about this is a really bad idea? He'd just been <laughs> goaded on by friends on Telegram. Mm. I'm mm. kind of glad he didn't get a Go cost mate. order against him. I don't Freedom. hate the guy. You know, he's just an idiot with terrible yeah, friends who just yeah. like, you know, just goaded him into doing something really bad. And Buckley's like, yeah, sure, job Bob, bro. He's just lucky to escape with with, with a working bank balance. Yeah, fuck yeah, man. Because imagine the crap they would have had to read in his submission. Ooh. Oh, my God. And at $500 an hour at least. So the other plaintiffs are going to have a very interesting time with the defendant's submission clearly stating they want this dismissed with costs. So yeah, Henry and others are on the fucking hook. And... As this bizarre piece of theatre has played out, it looks like the costs are going to be pretty high. That being said, it's interesting that 50,000 or so people were watching, and I'd say about 500 of them actually knew what the <laughs> fuck was going on. I'm not included in that number. I am not a part oh, of that Oh, you'd have a better idea than some oh, of the 49,500 peering in going, what's that man over there doing? What did in he my, say when that other man said that other thing? In my respectful uh, submission, uh, Jack, uh, I'd like to say that I have no idea what the fuck happened. Peter King, oh. famous for being the member for Wentworth until Malcolm Turnbull took up his invitation to the House of Representatives, yes. the barrister for the plaintiff, Kassam, and briefed by AFL solicitors. That's the Tony Nikolic thing, or Tony Nikolic, actually. I stand corrected. I heard him say it in the, in the court case. King even brought up the cooked letter that he sent to Brad Hazard, Nikolic sent to Brad Hazard, which was like 28 pages. It sounds so forced. He's like, and I bring up the letter that Tony Nikolic sent. It's like, why? Don't bring it up. <laughs> It's a bad letter. So AFL, if you don't already know, are incredibly cooked. If you look at their Telegram channel, it's full of hardcore conspiracy theories. They're really pandering to their their base. And the fact they're pushing ivermectin arguments is unsurprising if you know them. The expert witnesses include an American high school teacher who makes anti-vax videos and a Dutch veterinarian who also makes anti-vax videos. Cool. They're actually building their case on the back of YouTube bitshoot videos. Like, that, I wish I was fucking kidding. That makes sense, yeah. So some bloke named Marcus Clark, who's a QC briefed by Buckley, he doesn't sound like an idiot. He's just never there. Like, he's just got this big bookcase full of shiny Commonwealth law reports and just no one in the seat. <laughs> I don't know. It's got bizarre. Fake bookcase ready. Yeah, just hanging out. He's just playing Tetris off screen. He's going to be the headliner on Tuesday the 5th, where the Henry side of the case is laid out to quash the aged care mandate. But he's got a lot of work to do. But there is $500,000 in that kitty. So, like, I'm sure that shouldn't be an issue, right? Like, mm. what is $500,000 worth of not, legal representation? I'm not sure that's going to be enough. I don't, it, it doesn't sound like enough. But anyway, go on. No, no, definitely need more. Donate now. Donate now. <laughs> so in true AFL solicitors form, it's been a fucking joke. So far, it's been the AFL solicitors and this Peter King guy. Nothing sums up the case being put forward quite as well as the moment where the barrister for the defense, New South Wales, just starts laughing at Peter King, just like the AFL barrister, just thinks it's funny because he just puts these bizarre questions about documents the witness has nothing to do with and somehow tries to cast this weird inference that they're the government because, like, fuck it. I mean, this is what we've got to work with. We're just going to have a crack. At one point, his honour said to Peter King, so what, during one of his rambling monologues, which is not a good sign that your argument is cutting through. It's just not good. 
So the legal language is in full force. And to be honest, this is the first civil procedure I've ever seen. So it's a real learning experience for me. And I'm kind of valuing it that. My learned friend is now one of my favorite terms. I'm going to be calling my friends that all the time. Oh, my learned friend over here. Because basically it means, depending on your tone, that guy over there, this good chap over here, my good friend, or that massive cunt knuckle that we are forced to deal with being in this fucking WebEx prison together. Yes. It is such it's a all about tone. Term. It's yes. all about tone. And my other great term that I'm really enjoying is our respectful submission, which I think Peter King said 900 other times. But there's no way you can say our respectful submission that actually implies any kind of actual respect. Well, it's going to be received with respect. Yeah, It, it just can't. It's like I had a client of mine years ago who used to always say not being rude before saying all these really innocent things that really actually weren't rude. But I assumed immediately, I'm like, hold on, are you being rude? Is there like an underlying tone to this are you being a passive aggressive shit and i'm not even noticing but he wasn't he just kept on saying not being rude and then i just assumed he was trying to be rude it's such a bizarre world in there so king's respectful submission has so far tried to claim that brad hazard the minister for health in new south wales did not consider alternative treatments when making the vaccine mandates for aged care workers blah 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 alternative treatments you say what could they possibly be yeah Ivermectin, vitamin D, zinc, and doxycycline. Yeah. I think hydroxychloroquine got a mention there as well. There's a pretty good reason why Hazard didn't consider these treatments while making the public health orders, my learned friend. They don't fucking work. Well, it's all based on health advice. <laughs> and he's re- yeah. He's received health advice. It's not that he's going to say, well, I like your health order. I really do respect your health Yeah, but advice, on Telegram. But I'm going to go with the Ivermectin, vitamin D, zinc, and doxycycline. You know? Fucking embarrassing. I mean, oh and beside that, oh my lord, he laboured to make this weird point that because somehow doctors had to register the shots on the Australian Immunisation Register, which is a federal body, not a state body, that mm. somehow it was a form of medical conscription that applies to doctors, which is a no-no under Section fifty-one twenty-three A of the Constitution. Makes no fucking sense. But then sort of no. stretching on from that, there's this bizarre attempt to just replace doctor with patient in this section 5123A <laughs> where like you can't do medical conscription for doctors, but it's like, how about we just say patients instead? And the judge is just like, what? At one point, his honor actually <laughs> cracked the shits and said, that's not even in the universe of what we're talking about, which pretty much sums up the entire fucking monologue by our learned friend from Wentworth. <laughs> no, that's not even in the universe of what we're talking about. That's, not even That's in the a universe. judicial slapdown right there. Doesn't look good. And look, if you missed it and you're living in regret, don't. It was fucking awful. <laughs> so boring. Outside of weird leading questions that made absolutely no sense to anyone. Bizarre constitutional arguments from the spectator with no actual basis in reality and a desperate attempt to validate hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin as alternative treatments. It was just boring and annoying. And they had this bizarre reliance on the fact that vaccinated people can still get COVID, which is a thing and we all know it. And that has plagued this case. Absolute pun intended. With learned friends basically saying... So what? And he just keeps going. He just keeps fucking going. Yeah. Look, I just wonder, you know, just uh, as a commercial idea, given that they had 50,000 viewers, yeah. maybe, maybe we should be turning this into some sort of reality TV program. Oh, yeah. We need sponsorship. We need sponsorship immediately. We can have uh, Sheep Drench. Uh, we can have uh, Joe Rogan's Vitamin Supplement Company. I reckon we could really make this work. There's cash in this. There's cash. Fifty thousand, the big numbers, big, yeah, bigger you, than Sky, bigger than Sky and Foxtel numbers. You're a man of opportunity, aren't you, Jack? So, 
the thoughts on Telegram are mixed. Our learned friend N, who popped up, who was recently vaccinated by pepper spray. You might remember <laughs> oh, him. I remember N. Yeah. N's feeling optimistic. Yeah. He said, and I quote, Peter King is on fire, giving it to them argument-wise. Woo-hoo. Another not-so-confident said that Peter King makes Joe Biden look alert. It's like using a water pistol to fight the Taliban. <laughs> so I was expecting way more delusional support from the usual suspects. You know how they do that. They're just like, you know, it's raining. They're like, oh my God, this weather is amazing. I've already seen Facebook posts boasting about how the case is before the courts, but they don't really say anything, just that it's a landmark case and they're obviously going to win because they're in a delusional bubble. But so far, no weird claims of court corruption that I've seen, although they're definitely going to come after the verdict when they inevitably lose. And no weird claims of Peter King being a liberal stooge. Even What primary school did he go to, Joe? Yeah, who's his daddy, right? But for the most part, it's just people saying either it's going well or going badly or just really boring. Look, I agree with all of them. I mean, it's it's got its ups, it's got its downs, and it's got its midpoints. Mm. I will give King this, though. He's been given one of the shittest briefs in modern history and he's pushing forward with a straight face. I personally couldn't do it. I mean, he kind of has to take it. It's a cab rank thing, but I would have just cracked. It's too farcical, but he's just going. He's just got this straight face and he's just running this chud through this court. He's a tradesman. He's a tradie. He is. He's He's just getting stuck into the job because that's his job. He should be wearing fluoro for solidarity. So, look, I'm going to give him that. Look, this has been a very vague rundown of the whole thing. I have no fucking idea what I'm talking about. We're going to try and get someone on to explain this shit show at some point in a more professional manner. I'm seeking people out as we speak. In the meantime, you're stuck with me, who listens to these proceedings on wireless earphones, walking around the house doing chores with a general sense of puzzlement because whether this entire case makes no sense or just because I have no fucking idea what I'm talking about is something I'm completely unsure of at this point. Honestly, at this point, I feel like the court is just gaslighting me. <laughs> it's a learning experience for you, Joe. It is actually, but I'm not sure if it's a learning experience. Not, like, not I'm sure just- if it's a positive one. People used to say that about my ex-wife. They'd say, look, at least you learn something. What? How to manage the whims of a mad narcissist? Okay, cool. Well, I'll put that in my library of knowledge. Put that on your... Uh, on on your, my fucking CV. On your, on your CV, yeah. Can deal with insane French people. So looking forward to more of this on Tuesday. I mean, like, I will, I will be watching, and hopefully it's just as ridiculous as the last two days were because as much as I've painted this as being a nightmare, it is kind of funny. And so far, so dumb. I mean, the real fun is what's going to happen when the movement explodes into a fireball of <laughs> bitching and moaning when the corrupt magistrate, the corrupt court, ignores their flawless legal arguments. Oh, my God. Look, you know, there's a Spectator article that says this is this, this would have worked. I can't imagine how this failed. Spectator that's, article. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that should tell you something. It's literally how they base it. You know, however they, however they portray stuff, pretty much the exact opposite you can expect. They Put money on that. So, look, uh, Buckley's already set the stage. This sentiment is wild social media post that the whole entire thing is due to a corrupt judiciary. So we've got that to look forward to. And don't worry, I have some choice quotes for you. But in Buckley news, the Law Society of New South Wales seems to have got back to a bunch of people who made complaints and said in a very long-winded and unnecessarily legal way, mm. Buckley is indeed under investigation. So hold your horses and relax something's happening yeah they're that, not gonna they're not gonna flag anything in specific ways no uh, but they've just sort of hinted uh, that uh, these these are matters that are, are 
on their to-do list. Shit is happening. And look, I think this is a very interesting situation. I'm going to be following it, and I'll let you guys know as it happens over the weeks, and hopefully not months, but <laughs> the wheels of justice are so slow. And to wrap up our anti-vaxxer update, Joe, anti-vaxxers in Victoria are flipping their shit after Dan Andrews announced that all essential workers are going to have to get the experimental gene therapy. Yeah. The so list good. of authorised workers is a bloody long one and looks set to take a lot of scalps, which includes forcing Liberal Party staffers to get the job. What about parliamentarians? Why them? I noticed Bill Short was saying uh, that should all happen, and it bloody should. I think it is. Uh, But uh, Liberal Party staffers, that's going to be very, very funny. I think so. I think Tim Smith MP might actually have to get the the toxic jab. So the thing that I thought was really funny is that personal trainers going to have to get the jab, which is going to make them lose their fucking minds because the personal trainers on Instagram, they love peddling trash about vaccination. And now they're going to have to decide between their love of making people exercise and their love of attention-seeking conspiracy theories on Instagram. So many personal trainers have vast levels of experience with needles already. So they're not really worried about that part. But using horse steroids is way safer. And I can point to studies than the experimental jab. <laughs> There's no question about this. So I can see how they take issue with the vaccine. It's made for human use. That's not that's not cool. They only take things made for horses. Steroids, <laughs> antiparasitics. It's just, I mean, this is, it's logical if you follow it. Veterinary science is just, just miles it's, ahead of me. It is miles science. ahead. Look, everyone loves the animal. When you shoot the dog in the movie, everyone cries. When you shoot that's the right. bad guy in the movie, no one gives a fuck. It's you are fair. the dog that's about so, to be shot. This one only dropped a few days ago, so it's yet to unfold. Reignite Democracy Australia have assured their idiot flock of sheep not to fret because they're coming up with a solution. (laughs) Yeah. I'm guessing this solution is going to come with a massive GoFundMe attached, which should give Monica another 300K. Oh, my God. She's going to have such a nice ring. And this one didn't even need to go to jail. It's a huge dowry. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a good one. So authorised workers in Victoria must be fully vaccinated by November 26th. And the next couple of months are going to be very interesting for unions who have to cop shit about this and workplaces that dictator Dan have deemed essential. Wow. That is going to bubble away. And in famous last words this week, we go across the pond. It's a bloody big pond. It's the Pacific Ocean. (laughs) It is a long swim. In the US of A, things are going really well. In Florida particularly, a state known for its (laughs) well-adjusted, rational citizens, a battle over masks in schools is absolutely raging with the democratic mistake they call school boards being overrun by Trump fanatics and QAnon conspiracy theorists, Joe. Yes, while I blink the beer out of my eye, um, the general (laughs) strategy has been to form a violent mob outside of school board meetings. That's Oh, it's really in there. Um, And viciously harass and threaten those on the board as they enter and exit the school halls and make intimidating displays during their meeting. It's a form of hope and change, I guess. I mean, one fuckwit in Brevard County, Florida, gave away a little too much during an altercation that was recorded on a phone. After admitting that he was at the January 6th insurrection, he had some cracking 
famous last words. And I well, quote- Famous last words before he goes to prison, you mean? Yes, well, hasn't yet, surprisingly. Mm. Put me on the internet, make me famous. <laughs> and this is unintentional because he's actually already famous. Because ah. FBI- are looking for you, James McDonald. Oh, he has outstanding warrants. You're on that list of photos where they say, "Oi, could you like uh, give us some information on these uh, these people here?" Well, now the information. What if you'd like to pop into to the local office and and just turn yourself in? Yeah, you might want to have a chat with your locals and see how this goes. So that was a bit of a whoopsie. Turns out this dipshit also works as a pharmacist for Walgreens. Oh my okay, Lord. cool. COVID denial Walgreens. That's safe. Uh, that's a chain of drugstores in the US, if you don't yeah, know. And yeah. I just They're going to love employing that guy. I can't imagine that's going to last long. And there's a fun side note, very relevant to this situation, that Brevard County has the most arrests from a single county in the entire USA for the Capitol Hill riots. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, you can just imagine going to Walmart in that place. What a bunch of cunts would be in there. <laughs> So he's demanding there's no mask in school. I get it. I don't like wearing a mask either, but not a good way of going around it because he threatens the school board that he knows where they live and oh. he's going to bring his mob of annoying fuckwits to their houses. He's gone. He's gone the clan. The clan yeah. methodology. Burning oh, cross in your fucking front lawn. I just oh, don't Lord. do that. It just doesn't seem good. So this is emblematic of two things. Firstly, the kids are the next battleground. We talked about yep. in the last deeper dive. It is absolutely happening. It's happening in the UK where vaccination Indeed. rates are so high in adults. The battle is basically lost. So they have to drum up this fear and loathing in parents regarding vaccinating their children. But in the USA, the anti-vax war is still being waged with the vaccine hesitant still in huge numbers due to this ridiculous Trump versus Biden politically charged partisan divide over the vaccination yeah. rollout. Amazing. I never thought that you could just kill off Trump supporters, and here we are. The next election is going to be an interesting set of numbers. Yeah. Blue fucking well, landslide. Well, I noticed uh, the Australian's Paul Kelly described Donald Trump today as a political, or not today, but during the week in a column that he wrote that I'd recommend people have a look for, described him as a political criminal yeah. uh, in an absolutely excoriating attack on, on Trump. Uh, and uh, the comments in reply were just uh, almost sort of delusional stuff that, that yeah. Trump was this great man who'd you know, been a... Been a been a bad, been a uh, great, uh, great friend of the American working class. Fucking hell, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't be in the same room as the. They share this sort of stuff on on site, and they just they brigade anything that they think has got some sort of political expedience. It's fucking crazy. They're so well organized. So radicalizing school boards has been a part of the QAnon movement this year, where extremists have turned to local issues to enact these sort of bizarre conspiratorial theme changes. Storming the Capitol just didn't work, obviously. But focusing your efforts on small-time elections no one gives a yeah. fuck about has wild real-life consequences and has real effects. Yeah, absolutely. Attacking school boards has become a massive thing with turbocharged conspiracy currents taking obscure roles in local government, implementing completely cooked policies and just fucking with school curriculums and policies to mm. whitewash history and do all sorts of other weird fucking hardcore right nonsense. It's just charming shit. But as it turns out, the fleeting fame for our friend James was all for nothing because despite his threats, the school board voted to mandate masks at school. Oh, poor James. Oh, mate, have to all get that the, Have to get nothing. the crosses burning now, won't he? He looked like he was getting severe sunburn while he was out there as well, so he would have to nurse those wounds. So no doubt idiots like him will go to great lengths of exemptions, hassle teachers, be a fucking pain in the ass. But at the end of the day, reason prevailed, and the Playgrats lost this battle. He did get his wish, though. They made him famous. Ah, uh, what an idiot. And it seems wrong. 
to end that segment on an idiot and then move on to the next, featuring one of the great minds of our time and any other, quite frankly, a man who is a genius with a bone broth and hasn't killed any toddlers that we know about. He's always having big weeks, and we're going to find out how big this week was in the week in Pete Evans. It has been a huge week in Pete Evans. Dude. It has easily been his most prolific posting week in months. This is great. So many posts. So many posts. Fuck me. Pete Evans' telegram has waned a bit over time, with some saying he mm. was trying to cut down the crazy to preserve his invitation to the Senate. It looked like it for it a while. It did look like that. But that invitation feels like it's been revoked. <laughs> and now he's just on he's going for fire. it. He's, he's going for it. Kelly's going to get the wingnut vote in New South Wales. And this is no point in bothering He's still got a one-week burn timer on his Telegram channel, which almost seems like a nod to the segment. Like, he only has a week. So whenever I go to his Telegram, I just go on the day. Got to move fast, yeah. Check the last week because it's there. It's like, that's it. Then it goes back to March or some shit. So I I appreciate it. Keep it weekly, man. I'm I'm down with it. He starts a week off with some good old-fashioned Trump refusing to accept that he's lost. And this is the <laughs> denial phase. This is the point where you say, no, 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 no. It's all, it's all made up. It's not true. It's not true. He won the election. He's going to be president in, what is it? It's not August anymore. Um, I think it's October it's now. October? I think well, there's it's October an October. now, though. We've got an October? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to say November because I want to hedge my bets. Yeah. Then he jumps into some anti-vax propaganda. He's not new to this, but he's not happy. You know, teachers need to get jabbed. He's not going to take it. It's just not right. <laughs> The police state is in full force. Australia is a prison. This is tyranny. We're not going to take it anymore. We're not gonna, he's not going to take it anymore. We well, moved he, on. he's going to take it a little bit more because, you know, he's, he's, he's not going to be man in the barricades, is he, Pete? No, no. He's going to be angry behind his keyboard because he's moved on to anger. This is the Ooh, anger stage for angry, old Pete. Angry man. But there's hope. There is hope. There is hope. Let's not let's not be down the dumps here. The cheeky <laughs> post about the Lada v. New South Wales case we were talking about earlier in the Supreme Court. He's promoting Lada's bizarre push to put, you know, create this shadow union of anti-vaxxer allied health professionals by harvesting their data on Google Forms. <laughs> Look, it's going before the courts. There, there's a possibility. Like, there's nothing sus about this. It's all above board. But you've got to play the game, right? This is the bargaining phase. Yeah. And then he posts a YouTube clip of a whiny song, and we've all done it. Ricky Muir recently posted corn lyrics this week, which I'm a big fan of. Good goddess on Life is Peachy. Great track, great track. And Pete just plonks this little emo moment, his little freedom song dedication, and that's depression. I mean, listening to crappy folk music on the bus home from your yoga class, looking out the window, <laughs> sighing at the landscape. I'm just kidding. Pete doesn't catch buses. No, he doesn't. They're for buses. poor people. Yeah, yeah they're the poor, yeah, he, yeah. He would never do that. And then, well, it's a barrage of horror. The vaccine gives you cancer, according ah. to Judy Mikovits at least. Oh, Who never dear. lies, ever. And some fucking on the high wire, iron coal or some shit. The population's being controlled. The good guys are losing. The truth is being exposed by freedom fighters like Project Veritas. But nothing changes. Project Veritas have told a lie in their lives. Look, it's in their name. Fauci's <laughs> going to eat children and nothing can stop what is coming. This is the acceptance phase. Oh, he's in the acceptance phase. You just know. You, the bad guys have won. It's over. It's awful. There's no me. point. How awful for him. He's been through the five stages this week. It's been a huge week for Peak emotionally because he's been chugging all this content. He's doing he's doing what he's meant to do. He's clicking the videos. He's watching the videos, but yeah. nothing is changing. Mm. He thought that if he maybe watched enough Tucker Carlson videos and that, and if he shared enough <laughs> Telegram posts from Q influencers, he might be able to save the Republic. 
which republic? <laughs> I don't know. It just sounds kind of cool. A, yeah, Save the republic. It's, a cool it's, word. Yeah. it's very dramatic. It's cool. So it's just another week in Pete Evans. He's going to go through the same stages again next week. It's a ruthless process of misery and despair that never ends with the forces that be destroying everything that you hold dear. There's not a moment of comfort. It's just a never-ending fight. A sad, paranoid merry-go-round with no end in sight. But at the end of the week, it's the same platitude. Peace, love, and light. So I would have gone with the cliche about being on an emotional roller coaster. Yes. For Pete. Well, but uh, you're right. I think he is on the merry-go-round. I think he is on the merry-go-round. He's just going round and round and round. And look, he is. It's only a matter of time before he starts staring out the window and wondering, you know, if it's all been worth it. And to be fair, a ketamine merry-go-round would actually be pretty cool. <laughs> if you did a bump before you went on a merry-go-round, that would be fucking wild. I'm adding that to my shortlist. <laughs> you have been listening to the Conditional Release Program with your hosts, Jack the Insider and Joel Hill. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. And if you've enjoyed our bullshit, throw us a five-star review on your podcast app. Jack can be found on Twitter on at Jack the Insider and Joel on at Crunch Moses with a K. We set up a Facebook page. You can find it fairly easily. There's a shit posting group, which is awesome. Conditional Release Program, shit posting. We post links and it's nice. There's good chats. It's great. As usual, writing a podcast is easier said than done. We can't do it ourselves because it's really embarrassing. It's kind of like wanking into a mirror and finding it hot. So if you could just share our stuff without us having to do it, it just feels way more natural. It, it is nice. Our numbers are going up. You guys it are listening. It would, would help us achieve our dream of being bigger one day than Jessica Rowe. Yes, our plan is to overtake that Goomba-looking motherfucker. <laughs> and that's when we'll move into that sort of lifestyle stuff. Start interviewing some some vicious racists and uh, asking them, uh, you know, what their favourite scone recipes are. So that's, that's something to look forward to. <laughs> and finally, all feedback tips and death threats should be sent to the conditional release program at gmail.com. It's got a the at the front. Because we would love to hear from you, even if it's simply to tell us we've been bundled up in an ICAC investigation and have to take the perp walk of shame, shielded only by sticking our heads under under our conditional release program T-shirts made, as we always say, by diligent Bangladeshi children who, with those tiny little fingers of theirs, really know how to do fine stitching. It's the only quality. It's the only quality we can find. It's good stuff. See you next week. See you guys. It's funny speaking of T-shirts.